Hello there, Alaskans, wherever you are. Welcome to the Must Read Alaska Show. Coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. This is the place where we talk about, you guessed it, Alaska. Where we keep the mainstream media on their toes and where we are standing up for what's right and a world run by leftists. You can find out more by heading over to mustreadalaska.com and also checking out the Must Read Alaska YouTube channel for some really great content. But first, let's get this party started. Well, it's good Alaska. This is Scott Levesque, and you're listening to the Daily Dose of the Must Read Alaska podcast. Thank you, everybody. It is a Friday afternoon. I'm sure you've had a long week, or maybe for some of you, this is the start of your week. But I just want to say thank you for joining with us today. And I also want to say thank you for the fact that you've helped us get very close to our goal of 150 reviews on the Apple Podcast app. We are almost there, and if you haven't had a chance, we would love for you to give us a five-star review. And hey, if you want to give us more than that, maybe a written review, you could do so, and we read every one of them. So thank you so much to our listeners, our readers, and our supporters. Without you guys, this would not be possible. Thank you. All right, so we've got a lot to talk about today. And uh, what I want to do is I want to try to make sure I'm focused here. I know the other day we had uh, quite a rant session going on, particularly when it came to the federal slash national level. But today I want to bring it back to Alaska. And particularly, let's go ahead and focus in on Anchorage, as it seemingly looks like. The, Bron- the Bronson administration and the Anchorage Assembly have come to some sort of agreement here. They've come to some sort of negotiation agreement because for the last few months, that is exactly what's been going on. Uh, it appears as if the back and forth between the Anchorage Assembly and the new mayor is settled. And there's a plan now that is to move forward with the homeless issue here in Anchorage. And let me just give you kind of a, a brief overview of what's about to happen. This is the agreed upon plan from the Bronson administration and the assembly over months of this negotiation back and forth. And there's about four bullet points, so listen to, let's just kind of get through it. Uh, This can be read on the mustreadalaska.com website. Suzanne wrote a great piece on it. It's under the heading, Anchorage Homeless Plan Moves Forward with Assembly Approval. And here's the deal. Here's the four things that are gonna be moving uh, moving forward in this plan. Number one, it's gonna, this plan's gonna provide $6 million in funding to execute a citywide mass care exit strategy. So somehow the administration has to legally move everybody out of the Sullivan and into this new plan, this new strategy that's gonna be moving forward. So it's not easy. This was literally, this is is the, the byproduct of former disgraced mayor, Ethan Berkowitz, literally taking over the Sullivan and making it into a mass housing for the homeless here in Anchorage. So this is what you get, okay? So you've had months and months and months over a year of housing in the Sullivan, and now you've got contracts tied to it, and now you gotta figure out a way to move out of those contracts and into this new plan. Not an easy feat, not an easy feat. Again, the ramifications of things, the ripple effect down the road is never even thought of sometimes. And I get it, at the time, they needed a place, or they needed something to do with our homeless that were out there on the streets, particularly in the cold during this pandemic season. But I will tell you this, I've been to the Sullivan, served a meal or meals to uh, those who are living there. It's not ideal conditions at all. Don't get it twisted. The Sullivan is not this luxury suite, uh, you know, Kapua suite style facility. It's, It's cement, it's cold in the sense of 
what it looks like. It's not this, it, it's a place for people to stay warm. So I just want to make that very clear. This is not a place that is just streaming with, with luxury. It's a place, it's a concrete jungle, really. That's what it is. And so now they've got to find the administration has to exit and do a, a mass care exit strategy that takes everybody, not just out of the Sullivan, but also carefully closes out all the, the um, particular vendors and, and contracts tied to this sort of mass care. So that's point number one. Here's point number two. They need to purchase two properties that will serve as medical support and supportive housing centers. Now that you've got them out, you've got to provide a, a place where people can get care and people can live. That's what it, that's what it boils down to. Okay, so that's what the administration now has to look at to do. Third bullet point, they've got to direct $2.8 million to design and manufacture a navigation center to handle 200 individuals with a surge capacity to handle an additional 130 individuals. Now, it's an interesting word, surge capacity, because when you have 200 beds, if you will, 200, uh, the capacity of 200, that generally never stays there. When you say you've got a capacity of 200, but a quote, surge capacity of an additional 130, really your capacity is 330 people. And here in Anchorage, with the amount of homeless we have, that's always going to be the number, 330. You can use surge capacity all you want. It would be curious to see when they design and manufacture this, quote, navigation center, uh, what are some of the philosophies, some of the protocols and procedures for turning away anybody? Are you saying 200 is just it unless it's a very cold night? What are those surge capacity uh, qualifiers? For sure. And then number four is partner with local businesses and institutions for further investment to solve homelessness and Anchorage. And this fourth one is a very interesting one because here's the deal. It looks like the Anchorage Assembly was pulling an all-out assault on those businesses and, and more importantly, the nonprofits that were doing also the work of housing homeless and trying to get them on their feet and try to provide skills and job skills and different sort of skills that are involved in this plan, there was an assault on them because they were trying to legislate how they ran their nonprofit. Surprise, surprise, you had the assembly legislating how businesses and nonprofits were going to work and, and, and do the work and, and the, the different sort of protocols and procedures they had. Surprise. So instead of allowing something like the Hope Center to be able to do what they're doing, which is a full circle homeless program, which takes a homeless person, they're trying to right now not just house them, but also teach them skills, get them skills that when they go into the workforce that they're applicable, get them back on their feet, and then move them along so they could take somebody else who's homeless and provide that same type of program. I'm grossly oversimplifying, but the reality is, is that the places like the Hope Center are trying to bring people in, not just to house them, but to get them the skill set to be able to get on their feet and out on their own. And yet you had the Anchorage Assembly putting their little sticky fingers into what a, a nonprofit's trying to do that, frankly, might be doing a better job, actually is doing a better job than the municipality itself. 
So my hope is that when the mayor and the assembly work together on this plan, the idea was is if there are nonprofits or businesses in the local area that are easily able to partner with the municipality, don't try to change them. Allow them to do what they're better at than you are. Allow them to come alongside you and help provide some guidance, partnership, planning, and a program that seemingly works better than what's going on right now, which is you're just housing a lot of homeless people in a massive facility. That's what I hope this plan does. I really do. Let's read this. This is a quote from Mayor Dave Bronson. After months of negotiation with the Assembly, I'm pleased our plan is moving forward to help Anchorage's most vulnerable citizens, said Mayor Dave Bronson. You know, what was really interesting is the fact that there's been months of negotiation. Well into a very cold start to winter. I'm really glad about that. As I've said, again, I'm going, to, I'm going to continue the quote here. As I've said from the beginning, we must confront this problem head on and work to find comprehensive solutions that include housing, services, and treatment options to those experiencing homelessness. This, the actions taken this week are a positive step towards providing permanent and appropriate shelter and returning the Sullivan Arena to its intended purpose, hosting sporting events, social gatherings for our community, and more. This was a bipartisan effort. I am proud of the work that went into this plan. End of quote. Well, Mayor Bronson's being courteous there. This was a headache. This was the assembly wanting to do what they wanted to do versus Dave Bronson and his administration bringing a counter plan that they felt would provide a better solution. And the assembly just was so hell-bent on doing what it wanted to do that any other plan or any other idea or anything else seemingly was against what they wanted. Plus, they also had the same face from the fact that they were taking CARES Act money and trying to be real estate agents. Let's not forget about that. No, 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 no. Let's, let's not do that. But the reality is, is at least there's a plan that the mayor can put his name behind and the administration can move forward with. And the assembly, I would assume, acquiesced on a couple of different things. I don't know if they acquiesced on everything they wanted to do, but they certainly acquiesced on some things to try to make a plan, formulate and come together so that we can actually start addressing some of the issues that we're seeing here in Anchorage with the homelessness. It, it's not going away. And until we come up with a good plan that helps support not just the community, but the people that are the most vulnerable, like Mayor Bronson said, this is not going away. You know, you look at some of the other uh, Republican-run states, some of the, the cities that are run under Republican leadership, and, and it's very interesting to look at how they deal with homelessness than what it is some of the states that are not, like California, Portland, New York, uh, some of these states that are showing an extreme level of homelessness. Seattle and Washington is a, another prime example. I lived in Seattle for a couple of years and we lived in downtown, my wife and I, and it, it was astounding. When I went down to Third Ave, I had to do hopscotch over all the homeless people. That's back in 2006 so, or 2007 probably was more the better year. Homelessness is a real problem and it's, it's unfair obviously to paint broad brushes, but the city and the municipality needed to have a better plan than what they did. And the fact that 
the homelessness issue is being passed as a buck from Ethan Berkowitz past the acting mayor and placed on the shoulders of Dave Bronson as if you know he's the one that perpetrated all of this homelessness is an absurd assertion. As a matter of fact, it's dishonest, disingenuous, and goes to the root of the issue, which is that this problem, this problem of homelessness was here long before Dave Bronson was here. And at least Dave's trying to move forward with a plan that helps provide partnerships, it looks like, with not just businesses, but I'm hoping nonprofits like the Hope Center that know what they're doing, that have a program and a plan to get people not just to housing, but also get them the skills that they need to move out. It's one thing to give people housing. It's another thing to give people the opportunity to make a living through skill development and a program that provides that. And I'm sorry, that is exactly what needs to happen. There needs to be an, a, a put-together infrastructure that provides that type of programming for anybody that walks through the doors. All right. Well, another interesting thing that happened, and it, it happened at the Petroleum Club in Anchorage on Thursday night, so that's yesterday, was the fact that Jamie Allard, current Eagle River Assemblywoman Jamie Allard, who has now filed to run for House District 22, had herself a kind of a campaign launch at the Petroleum Club last night. And to say it was a success would be a rather large understatement. I, I wasn't able to make it, but I know a couple of individuals who were. Uh, it wasn't really standing room only. It was, can you shimmy yourself into the room only? We had a, a little article on Must Read Alaska. Suzanne wrote she was there last night uh, in full force, uh, seeing the support and kind of commenting on it. So let's read the article. It's, it's very, very short. Over 180 people came through the Petroleum Club in Anchorage on Thursday night uh, to boy the campaign of Eagle River Assemblywoman Jamie Allen as she runs for House District 22. It was Allard's campaign kickoff and arguably drew more people than any other campaign fundraiser this fall. Possibly the most well-attended campaign fundraisers in the state this year. Allard, whose first term on the Assembly ends in April of 2023, said she was humbled by the support and vowed to stand for conservative values in Juneau. She could win her election to the House. The event, which had started at 5.30, was already crowded at 5 p.m., was standing room only, and people stayed late into the evening. Spotted in attendance were former Lieutenant Governor Lauren Lehman, Rep. Tom McKay, Mayor Dave Bronson, City Manager Amy Dombowski, School Board Member Dave Donnelly, and former Mayor Dan Sullivan. The significance of the massive turnout was not lost on attendees. Allard, who is the most conservative voice, <laughs> that's, that's putting it lightly, most conservative voice on the Anchorage Assembly, had only announced her campaign for House on December 2nd. So you're looking at eight, well, at that point, seven days ago. Well, I can tell you this, when you are like, like Suzanne Rupp, when you're the most conservative voice on assembly that is uh, essentially uh, infiltrated by very left-leaning individuals and ideologies, you're going to get that type of support, particularly when you stand and you continue to fight. And Jamie Allard has been a vocal assembly member. Uh, on the opposition of a left-leaning majority, a supermajority, really, on the assembly, continually fighting for conservative values and Republican uh, ideals. And that's just the bottom line. And so she has made waves. And of course, when you make waves, you're all, you're the, uh, you know, you're the 
poster child for conservatism and in, in, in republicanism. And then you're also in the target of many people. And so Jamie has felt the, the both sides of that coin. Now, I do think Jamie has an excellent chance to win House District 22. I mean, if just the campaign kickoff was any indicator of what is to come in terms of fundraising, in terms of her campaign and who she's got behind her, she has an absolutely phenomenal chance of winning the uh, House District 22 seat, for sure. For sure. She's got a lot of support from key players, particularly in the municipality administration, uh, obviously from former and current uh, members of not just the House, but in Alaska government. For sure. Absolutely. But the reality is this. I look at Jamie and I think, you know, Jamie has a, has a high likelihood of winning that House seat in District 22. She also will be closing out uh, her first term at the in the Assembly on April of 2023. So it brings to mind a lot of questions. Number one is this. Obviously, Crystal Kennedy is not going to be running for re-election in Eagle River. Jamie Allard, who, again, has been sort of this canary in the coal mine for Republicans and conservatives, will not be there much longer. She's done a phenomenal job. We had her on the podcast uh, a couple days ago. And uh, when asked about her legacy there, she wanted to have a legacy of uh, driving people to engage in not just their community, but into their civic duty in government. So I think she's done a great job of that. She's gotten a lot of people involved, for sure. For sure. And like I said, Jamie, Jamie will probably more than likely win House District 22 if she continues her momentum and she continues her great campaigning. This is just a kickoff to that campaign. It's, you know, she's not doing any hard campaigning right now. And I think she's been a balancing force in that assembly by far. I mean, when you have eight or nine extremely left-leaning assembly members, you have to be a strong counterbalance to that. And I would say Jamie's been phenomenal in that. I mean, she has been the voice. That's why, listen, you think it's... you, And I don't know how much you guys that are listening to this actually watch on YouTube, if you can't be there in person, the Anchorage Assembly meetings. But let me tell you what's telling about somebody's connection with the community and somebody's ability in leadership. When the chair of the assembly cannot control the crowd, but Jamie Allard could just turn on her mic and ask the crowd to calm down and they do, I think that tells you all you need to know. Now, sure, all of you left-leaning individuals, friends included, would say, well, all those people in there are, are right-leaners. They're all for Jamie, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So that doesn't make that leadership any less effective. The problem is, is that the people that are in there are in there because they feel slighted. They feel disrespected. They don't feel like many, if not the majority of that assembly don't even care about them. And those are not people all from Eagle River in Jamie's district. Those are people from all over Anchorage. So it's not that Jamie is direct constituents with those people. It's the fact that they feel like Jamie holds not only to their ideology and, and their viewpoint on government, but also the fact that they feel like, and I've heard these people talk about this, because I was there during the 2020 summer when there was plenty of people out there from all over Anchorage, all over the municipality, protesting the fact that the assembly closed the doors, 
the fact that the assembly is using the CARES Act money for things they probably shouldn't be using them for. I talked to those people. And all of them had the same thing to say about Jamie. She's the only one that listens to us. She's the only one that cares. Even if she doesn't agree with me, she at least listens to me. And that's the thing. You might you can say whatever you want about Jamie Allard and the fact that she may uh, you know, get hyped up about certain things and you may not like that. Jamie listened to every one of those individuals who voted, excuse me, who were speaking publicly for the mass mandate. And here's the other thing. Those who were against the mass mandate. She was listening to both sides. I didn't see the assembly doing that. When I say the assembly, I mean the supermajority left-leaning assembly. I didn't see them doing that. What I did see them is talking to each other, playing on their phone, tweeting out stuff, you know, hearting tweets, retweeting things, putting stuff. I'm sure they were texting one another. There's a difference there. So absolutely, I think Jamie Allen has an, a great chance of winning House District 22. But the question I have is who's going to step up behind Jamie? Who is going to be the next assembly member from Eagle River that's going to be able to continue on the conservatism that's alive and well in Eagle River? It's hard to see somebody who has carried that torch move on to something else, but somebody's got to pick it up. Because if not, we're going to be in even more trouble. Those who want to see conservatism and balance in the assembly, that's, I'm sure they've got something brewing, but that would be a tough one. That would definitely be a tough one. All right, let's move to Juno. Gwen Gruning, who we've had on the podcast before, and specifically talking about the Juno mail-in voting debacle that happened, has a new article out of Must Read Alaska under the title, Gwen Gruning, Juno Assembly Underdeserves and Overspends. Excuse me, underserves and overspends. And I wanna I wanna use Wynn's article because I wanna do a, a kind of a jumping off point and ask a couple questions. And this is going to be rather short, but I do want to ask a couple questions to the readers here, or excuse me, the listeners. And if you have a, if you're listening to this on, you know, iTunes, the Apple uh, podcast app, or if you're listening, wherever you're listening to, go to Facebook or go to YouTube, because this will probably be on there as well. And I want you to comment because I have a couple questions for you. Let's, let's read from Ruin's article here. Among the most important obligations of a modern municipal government, there are providing for public infrastructure and promoting economic growth and development. Elected leaders often struggle to balance these two responsibilities so that each fairly serves their constituents and contributes to the overall health of the community. When these responsibilities are out of balance, the community suffers. Seemingly comfortable with an endless appetite for all sorts of public nonprofit projects, Juno's assembly appears to have given little thought to supporting the citizens and private sector that will ultimately pay their essentially bills. So he goes into talking about some of these projects that the assembly is now going to fund. Some of these projects are one-off price tags and other of them seem to be uh, yearly price tags that keep going on. So there's one-time expenditures versus not. And he talks about this. He's, the Sibley has approved funding for extraneous projects costing millions of dollars in the last year. Some, such as a $1.5 million for the Selaska uh, Heritage Foundation Art Campus Project, are purportedly one-time expenditures. Others, like the million-dollar vote-by-mail initiative that provides no benefit, will continue to drag down the budget for years 
to come. And here's what I ask you. I encourage you to go and read Wynn's article because it is a real great expose on exactly what's going on in this particular case with Juno and the Assembly's ridiculous spending on pet projects and really projects that serve that do not serve the community as a whole, but seemingly want to uh, serve particular slices of community. And my question to you, the listener, is this. I don't think this is isolated to Juno. I think the projects and the money spent from taxpayers' money are assemblies, particularly I look at Alaska, I look at Anchorage, and then Juno in particular now. I think there is a gross misunderstanding of the public's desire to see certain projects done or not done. And what I mean by that, it really feels like the assemblies are so out of touch with the general population and by doing so are not transparent and communicative of what they're doing that many of them think that spending money is almost a right for an assembly member. And regardless of what the public most benefits from, it's mostly what the assembly member or members want to see come to fruition. So I guess all that to say is a lot of words. It seemingly feels like, particularly in Wynn's case, the Juno Assembly, and in my case, the Anchorage Assembly, looks more for what they want as opposed to what their constituents have asked for. And that seems to be a problem, particularly when it comes to money. Because the dollars that are spent out of the assembly are directly linked to taxes, taxpayer money. Again, when we look at these bonds that are being put up, I don't know how many people who are voting for these bonds truly understand what that means from their property tax or additional taxes like the alcohol tax. What does that mean for them? I think if you said to them, hey, if you vote for this, your taxes are going to increase this much. If you vote for all of these, they're going to... Like, we don't have that. And I think it does the community a disservice. I look at it all the time when we're voting. And I see all of these bonds that are on there. And most time, most of the time, people vote, yeah, for all these bonds. Because there's no direct correlation between the yes vote for a bond and what that means to you specifically. And that ideal is then taken to a macro level when it comes to an assembly where it's just like this money's just in a pot. We're going to spend it. I'd like to see a little more conservatism with money. And I'd like to see the assembly and, and ultimately any elected official have a responsibility and a fiscal stewardship of that money, knowing that this is money that are being taken out of the pockets of people here in Anchorage in Juneau and that money should be spent to benefit the same people that money came from. That's what I think is important. If you haven't had a chance, I tell you, read Wynn's article. It's Juno Assembly underserves and overspends. And I guarantee you, if you're in Anchorage, you're going to be, you're going to have some PTSD when it comes to what he's writing about. Because I think it hits beyond just Juno and really targets the Anchorage Assembly as well. I really do. I do. I think we've got to get out of pet projects for specific assembly members 
because they want to spread some sort of ideology and really focus on the greater good. That's what we're supposed to do on the assembly. The assembly doesn't have a D or an R next to the person's name for a reason. It's supposed to be bipartisan. It's supposed to not be affiliated with a political you know, party. We all know that's not true. We all know that's not what happens. But the idea of an assembly, and, and listen, when says it? I'll read it again. Among the most important obligations of a modern municipal government, there is providing for public infrastructure and promoting economic growth and development. Infrastructure and economic viability. That's it. I don't know if we could say that that's what's going on. All right, guys. Well, that's it. It's a Friday. My time is almost up. And, uh, of course, we're going to have a lot of great guests next week. I think we got three guests next week. we got one on Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. So I'm excited to have that. Obviously, there's so many things that you could do to find content. You can go to mustreadalaska.com. You can go to Facebook and like us on there. Try to get to 25,000 before the end of the year. You could also go to YouTube and subscribe and hit the notification bell. You can find us on MeWe, Parlor, Twitter, uh, Rumble, The Works, all under the same handle, must read Alaska, one word. All right, guys. Well, that's it for me today. And until next Monday, take care, Alaska. Alaska.